the Lick of the Ozarks' only community radio station. That's right, you got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, November 5th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. Quaker Windows in Eldon is expanding its operation. The company is adding a commercial window and door facility to their existing plant, catering to the construction market. The new facility is expected to create 150 additional jobs by 2022 when the building is in full operation. Currently, Quaker has 150 employees in Eldon, meaning this new expansion will double Quaker's local workforce. An Olathe man is accused of evading arrest and attacking a local deputy. A Camden County deputy was attempting a traffic stop on Saturday, October 30th, when the suspect, Daniel Haig, allegedly tried to evade him. The suspect then left the car at Camden on the lake, and when the deputy pursued, Haig struck him multiple times in the face with a sharp object. The deputy was transported to Lake Regional for treatment, but has since been discharged. Haig is being held in Camden County Jail without bond. Come on out for some free barbecue and a chance to impact the watershed plan with the barbecue lunch and learn the Lake Watershed Alliance. LOA is planning to expand the existing two watershed boundaries from Bagnell Dam to the 42-mile marker and is looking for community feedback. So make plans to join LOA at the Sunrise Beach Fire Station at noon on Thursday, November 18th to learn what this means and how you can make your voice heard. For more on these stories, head to lakeexpo.com. Download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about Victoria Station. We carry nautical, contemporary, and traditional type themes in our store in general, but we go into lots of different categories. When you come to Victoria Station, we want you to feel like you've escaped from the world. We want you to come and enjoy the sights, the sounds, the smells, and find that something special to introduce that into your own home. We are located just off the Case Road exit in Osage. Sage Beach, and we're open seven days a week, 9.30 to 5.30. The serving table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need, but this is not just about free food. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the serving table can open every day. Learn more at keygatheringplace.com or search Facebook for The Serving Table.
If you've got a topic you'd like to share with the community, contact us right here at 89.3, The Key. Welcome in, 805, 34 degrees. It is another beautiful day at the Lake of the Ozarks, and we are on the verge of a great fall weekend. A lot of things going on this weekend, some of which uh, you might be interested in, and we'll try to tell you about some of those things as we work our way through the next two hours. Myself, Bill Munhausen, soon to be joined by Bob Lynch from MoDOT. We'll take some time to uh, find out what's going on in and around the Lake of the Ozarks area that uh, you need to be aware of when it comes to traveling, if they have any road work going on, and I know they do. We've been focusing uh, rather intently on the bridge project there on Bagnell Dam. A lot of folks have because they would like that uh, project to get done so that they can start uh, getting through that particular area, December deadline on that one. So we'll find out where we're at with Bob and uh, find out uh, what else is on his mind this morning. We'll also take some time to talk to John Williams. John is the uh, the gentleman who puts together the Missouri Liberty Report podcast exclusively for Key Radio, and he will be our guest in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little bit about uh, John. Well, he was once a, a Democrat and, and how he became more of a libertarian thinker, and we'll explain uh, to you a little bit more about his podcast and uh, maybe the reason why he started this whole thing. So lots going on here this morning, as well as uh, the weather forecast, which is shaping up nicely. Looking good. It definitely is throughout uh, the day and uh, certainly into the weekend. Some great weather. Uh, if you're maybe headed to the Chiefs game on Sunday, they'll have, uh, well, they say uh, 70 degrees around kickoff. I don't know if it'll be quite that warm then, but uh, it'll certainly work its way up there. For today, 57 the high, 36 the low, and plenty of sunshine a clear sky tonight to 63 the high tomorrow with a low of 41 and plenty of sunshine. We've got the Veterans Day Parade going on in Osage Beach. Uh, I will be there along with my uh, partner in crime, William Holtz, will be filming the event for Lake TV. Sunday looks beautiful, 69 the high, 46 the low, plenty of sunshine and a beautiful day on Monday as well. Uh, even a little warmer, 71 the expected high, a low of 53 degrees on Monday, and again, plenty of sunshine. 64 on Tuesday with some clouds and a low of 49. 65 on Wednesday, again, a cloudy sky expected and a low of 53. And then we'll start to drop back into uh, 50s, 40s, and on down the line, starting to get into that uh, serious cold weather that uh, is headed our way and uh, expected to obviously be heading our way around this time of year. 808 again, a clear sky and 34 degrees here in beautiful downtown Camdenton. We're broadcasting live from the Key Gathering Place on South Business 5, and you are more than welcome to come by and sit in with us. Maybe you'd have uh, something you'd like to talk to Bob Lynch about this morning. Well, he'll be in uh, with us at about uh, 840, so we'll give you the opportunity to uh, do it then. Or don't forget, you can call us as well at 573-633-5395, 633-5395. What's up, Bill Mundhausen? Not much. I've kind of lost track of the calendar. Is it winter yet, or does that... 
happen soon. Uh, we'll be turning back the clocks this weekend. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, we, next we fall weekend, back. Right? Fall, no, this weekend. This weekend, okay. Fall back, spring forward, fall back, and uh, also a good time for you to check your batteries in your smoke detectors. They say it's probably a good idea to change those every time we change our clocks. That way you've got fresh batteries in there and you don't mm. uh, find yourself uh, up the creek without a paddle. So fall back means we turn the clock back an hour? <laughs> and spring forward means we turn it forward an okay. hour. Okay, all right. So we get that hour back that we lost in spring. Mm-hmm, okay. So, you know, obviously the uh, sun's going to be going down a lot sooner. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it won't be, it, you know, the sun won't be changing what it does. <laughs> it's the no, fact that yeah. we are changing what we do. We have daylight saving time, and uh, they've talked about doing away with it. And I don't know how people would feel, uh, if it would make that big of a difference. I think that was all something based on uh, what the farmers would do. Yeah, well, I feel like a farmer sometimes when I'm getting up and it's dark out still. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, so it'll be light now. Uh, closer. Closer, closer yeah. to light. 8.09 is our time. Hey, Chris Schneider standing by with a check of sports on Key Radio. KBTGIF and good Friday morning to you. We've got some high school football on the way tonight. Second round playoff action. Six and three Camdenton traveling up the road to play eight and one Lebanon in this second round playoff game. Yellow Jackets eight and one on the season, the number one district seed. And of course, they beat Camdenton during the regular season as the Lakers look for a uh, revenge win tonight. Four and six Eldon travels to seven and two Mexico for a second-round playoff game there as well this evening. Keep in mind, you can see both Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore and Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly on Lake TV's High School Football Coaches Show. You can see that today, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, 6 at night. Coach Shore previewing this game against Lebanon tonight. Coach Jolly talking about Osage's season that came to an end last week. Of course, the first college football playoff ranking came out this week. Georgia sitting at number one. Alabama, number two. Michigan State is three and Oregon four. So uh, they sit in the catbird seat right now as far as being able to go to the college football playoff. Mizzou in action at number one, Georgia tomorrow. The Tigers four and four. Georgia perfect eight and oh. The Bulldogs big favorites to win that. They'll kick it off at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Five and three MSU Bears at Six and two Southern Illinois. They will kick that off at noon tomorrow. Of course, the Chiefs home against the seven and one Packers Sunday afternoon. That's a three twenty-five kickoff. The Packers without their star quarterback Brett Favre. He's got COVID, so he'll be out for uh, at least ten days. Jordan Love, the guy that made all the waves during the off season. The Packers picked Love. He's apparently their quarterback of the future. Rodgers wasn't happy about that. Well, Love gets his first. NFL start against the Chiefs this week and the Packers will have their top receiver Devontae Adams back. He comes off the COVID list as well. After missing last week's game, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is expected to be back this week as the Cowboys play the Broncos. So KB, there's your sports for this Friday morning. Back to you. 8-12 is our time. Hey, thank you, Chris. And I think Chris slipped up there, Bill, and said something about Brett Favre. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, I, I've heard of him, too. Yeah, he was. 
And he <laughs> won't be playing. Eh? I don't think so. I don't think they brought him out of retirement for this game. But mm. anywho, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting weekend for a lot of uh, sports on the local level. On the college level, on the professional level, it, uh, it'll hopefully all work out. And Monday morning we'll have some things to cheer about. 812 uh, is our time. Again, 34 degrees, 57 the expected high today. So yesterday we had a chance to go out and uh, film a segment for Lake TV with uh, Tom Abbott. Tom Abbott is uh, with Iron Eagle Tactical. He has bought the company and uh, essentially they sell firearms and ammunition and they do custom work as well. Uh, and we spent the day out at uh, Ozark Outfitters just outside of Versailles. And what a great place this is. Um, they've got numerous gun ranges out there for uh, rifles, for uh, handguns, for shotguns. I wish I would have known that they had a shotgun range. I would have grabbed the 12-gauge the and taken it out there with me. But we spent uh, probably about a good four and a half hours with uh, uh, 22s and ARs and Smith & Wessons and uh, uh, all kinds of good stuff, uh, Glocks and uh, skies and uh, lots of handguns. We had all kinds of handguns, but the uh, point of all of this was not just to uh, show off Tom's collection of uh, firearms, but to uh, kind of get folks who might be thinking about uh, getting into uh, buying a firearm or learning more about firearms, giving them a little bit of an incentive and, and giving them a little education and uh, letting people see what, you know, what to do and how to do it and how to get into the realm of uh, of, of utilizing a firearm for any number of reasons, if it's for hunting, if it's for protection, if it's for self-defense. There are uh, a lot of different things out there, a lot of different options out there, so that's something that we did yesterday. And so I drove up uh, Highway 5 to get to Versailles, and I thought, I'm not driving back this way because that's just, um, to me, that is just a monotonous journey. So I figured I'd take uh, 52 into Eldon and then take 54 back, right? Yeah. So I did that, and the whole way home, well, not the whole way home, but the whole way from Ozark Outfitters to Eldon, I couldn't take my mind off a foot-long chili cheese dog from the <laughs> Eldon drive-in. <laughs> and I knew my wife was making dinner last uh -huh. night, but that made no difference, so I stopped in and grabbed a foot-long chili cheese dog with onions. I haven't had one of those in I don't know how long, and uh, very enjoyable. Mm. Very nice. Where is that place? It's right there when you uh, get off 52 and you're on uh, kind of going down the main drag through uh, the city of Eldon. There's there's the drive-in and then there's the creamy. Uh -huh. And if you're coming into town, you'll hit the creamy first and then the drive-in. If you're going through Eldon, let's say, to get on 54, you'd pass the drive-in and then the creamy. And there's always the big debate about who has you know better chili cheese dogs. Uh -huh. Both of them do, huh? I think uh, I've always been a fan of the drive-in. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm probably going to upset a few folks with that. I don't know if we'll get any calls, 633-5395. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get calls on the chili cheese dog. Yeah. Where do you think, uh, Who do you, as far as Eldon is concerned, who do you think has the better chili cheese dog? Is it the drive-in or the creamy? I lived in Eldon for a while. I, we lived in Eldon, I want to say, you know, three, four, five years, something, you know, yeah, three, four, five years, something like that. I enjoyed living in Eldon because when we lived there back in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, we never locked up our cars. And mm -hmm. We never really mm -hmm. locked up the house. Yep. And we lived in a nice neighborhood. We had uh, some older folks living around us. And 
it kind of worked to our benefit because, uh, you know, every once in a while they, you know, ask us to help out an odd job here, an odd job there, whatever. And we get paid in uh, Avon produce or um, chili cheese dogs. Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we had a uh, we had a a nice uh, a nice group of neighbors there lived over on West Brockman, and it was uh, just a really nice uh, nice neighborhood to live in. I I really I I, I miss Eldon. I, I enjoyed living here. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of intrigued about what you said about a rifle range. They have a rifle range at um, the Outfitters place? They've got all kinds <coughs> of uh, gun ranges there. They've got handguns, rifles, shotguns, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, like yesterday, were coming out. A lot of deer hunters were coming out to yeah. sight in their rifles. Exactly. I remember having to drive forever to a conservation site to sight in my rifle years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, there's and, and there are a number of those around. There are some private gun ranges that people have. There are uh, ones that are run by the conservation department, and then there are, you know, businesses that uh, basically they sell guns and ammo, and they have a nice uh, gun yeah. range. Ozark Outfitters, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the nicest ranges I've I've been to in a while. Yeah, you need a lot of space for a rifle range. Yes, you do, and, and safety behind the beyond the space. Well, they've got the big berms that they build up. Yeah. Like for example, if you're going to uh, sight your rifle. Uh, the uh, the rifle range we were at was 250 yards, uh-huh. so you've got you know plenty, and then they've got targets and various things. You can bring your own, or they've got some targets out there for you to use. And then we went over to the gun range, which I think was about maybe 50 yards mm-hmm. total. Yeah. And then uh, we didn't get a, like I said, I didn't know they had a shotgun range there. If I would have known that, I would have brought uh, my 12 gauge out and and. Uh, really need to i i will tell you i don't get out as often as i'd like to but i definitely after yesterday i learned that i need to spend more time at the range <laughs> yeah yeah it, it does um especially with handguns i yeah it, it takes a lot of discipline to shoot those accurately and and i was told and i found out for certain that the most important thing as far as a handgun is the grip that you use how yeah. you how you grip the handgun uh you know if you ever watch movies and see how some of these uh, people on TV or the movies or whatever, however they hold a handgun, you can tell that they have no idea what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, it's just like the fist grip. It's kind of it goes back to tennis of all things. You know, it, in tennis you don't just grab it like a baseball bat. There's a, sp- a specific kind of grip that lets you use a tennis racket effectively. Well, and there is, of course, with handguns, and and if you can learn how to hold the firearm properly, uh, you're going to be more proficient with it. You know, it, it, depending on the kind of magazine you have. I mean, if you uh, got a magazine that holds maybe uh, seven, um, eight rounds, uh, some hold up to thirty or more. So, I mean, if you if you have a a handgun that uh, that holds thirty rounds, which I don't know how many of those exist out there, but uh, maybe more so a rifle, you don't have to be, I guess, quite as accurate because you've got uh, more uh, shots, more more, more rounds yeah. to yeah. So. It's whatever you want to do, but we're going to be airing the series on uh, Lake TV coming up uh, in about two weeks, and it, it should be fun because it, it's nice to be able to go out and, and learn something. You know, you uh, you think about all the things that uh, you know you think you know, mm-hmm. and then you go out with somebody, and uh, inevitably you learn some things. And that was the best part of yesterday, being able to not only uh, go out and uh, enjoy our Second Amendment right. But to have the opportunity to learn some things along the way. 
Sounds like a good thing. It is. 820. Um, Missouri Supreme Court judges on Tuesday heard arguments over whether a ban on publicly funded advocacy is constitutional. Missouri law prohibits any public funds from being spent to advocate for or against ballot measures, such as spending such money to print flyers in favor of a bonding proposal. Judge Mary Russell asked Paul Martin, a lawyer for the cities, whether a mayor could still advocate for a ballot issue with an email blast. Martin said it's not clear whether that would be allowed under the law of uh, under the law rather, or if public officials are banned from doing that on work-issued computers. Hmm. Martin also criticized the law for targeting public officials who speak out on issues instead of penalizing the expenditure of public funding. Lawmakers amended the law this year to specify that violations can be prosecuted as election offenses punishable by up to a year in jail and a $2,500 fine. That, that's very interesting. A lot of these ballot issues, um, they, they are really attempts to <coughs> excuse me, bypass the legislature. And I've spoken with several people up in Jeff City, and they really want to reform that whole process because they say a lot of the ballot issues are driven by money outside the state, and the more money you have, the more likely you can get your ballot issue through. And if, l- if the law prevents public officials from even commenting about it, um, that means they're even further bypassed. Public officials taking public stances on public issues using public funds, that is quintessential government speech. Yeah, I guess the public funds issue is the thing. If you do an email blast, blast it's kind of free. But anyway. The Missouri Attorney General's Office is defending the law. Deputy Solicitor General Michael Talent, we've heard that last name before, Talent, Uh told the state uh, Supreme Court judges that government speech isn't protected by the First Amendment, so the law is valid. Uh Because they're going to go, I knew somebody would probably go the free speech route, and uh, so they kind of cut that off at the pass right there. Okay. 822 is our time. Again, 34 degrees on our way to a high today of 57, 573-633-5395 if you'd like to get a hold of us. The uh, current senator from the state of Missouri, Josh Hawley, one of two, uh, saying that uh, masculinity is, uh, is a value, not a danger. He is uh, coming to the defense of the American male. The Republican senator from Missouri spoke Sunday night at the National Conservatism Convention in Orlando, Florida. According to a text of his speech provided by his office, Hawley accused liberals in government, the media, and entertainment of defining the traditional masculine virtues, things like courage and independence and assertiveness as a danger to society, right? That's what he says that these folks are doing. Mm Mm-hmm. You remember how men used to be portrayed in movies? Like, say, for example, a John Wayne character. I was thinking John Wayne as soon as you said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Republican senator, um, Hawley, saying uh, the same masculine qualities being vilified have long been regarded as vital to self-government. And liberty, he said. Liberty, he said, requires virtue. And in particular, it requires the manly virtues. Uh-huh. We need men who will shoulder responsibility, men who will uh, start and provide for families, men who will enter the covenant of marriage and then honor it. 
The first-term senator has often been a polarizing figure. His fist pump toward protesters descending on the Capitol on January 6th drew strong uh, consternation <laughs> from uh, many in his home state, including calls for his resignation. But he remains popular in conservative circles and is often seen as a potential Who, future mm. presidential contender. Who exactly wrote this thing? Is this the Washington Post or this, something? I believe is. Uh, <laughs> well, this is from MSN.com. MSN. So, yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. So you can see that it's a little slanted here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little. Holly said the backlash against masculinity can be seen in elementary schools where rambunctious boys are diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder and medicated into submission. Well, that's for sure. That, that certainly happens. Uh, it's easier to medicate them than to uh, kind of keep them in line or allow them to be boys. Well, yeah, boys will be boys. Isn't mm -hmm. that what we've always... Uh, that's because it's true, I guess. I was just reading about somebody who uh, was unruly in school, and it was somebody who turned out to be a, a pretty um, normal kind of person. Hawley said men must take responsibility for their own actions. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh -huh. Still, he said, can we be surprised uh, that after years of being told they are the problem, that their manhood is the problem, more and more men are withdrawing into the enclave of idleness and pornography and video games? Well, I guess they weren't very manly in the first place then, but that's the way it is. Yeah, They're, Everybody's looking for a reason or something. Well, I think that, you know, along with a lot of other things, you know, telling boys, young boys, that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not good to be masculine. It's not good to have, uh, you know, the, the things that Hawley was describing there in that article, you know, being... Being someone who starts a family, being someone who's a good husband, uh, you know, a good father, that's, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's like every, everything else, man. They're, they're adding a little paint thinner uh, a little at a time, trying to just get rid of certain qualities. Uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to uh, uh, when they were talking about these elections and how uh, the Democrats just couldn't handle the fact that uh, maybe their candidate lost and started screaming white supremacy and mm -hmm. racism and all of this other thing. It's just, it, I don't know. It yeah, we just, we have a very sanitized culture now. Nobody's allowed to die. Nobody's allowed to fight a war to win. Nope. There's just, just so many things that are just um, contrary to human nature, contrary to the way God made us. Why do we get involved in a war if it's not something we want to win? Well, we don't want to hurt anybody. You know, it, yeah. it, I mean, it, it's kind, of, go a, to war with it's kind of a bizarre thing. and Probably we shouldn't go to war unless we're really willing to do it to win. Do we, uh, do we take more of an isolationist mentality? Wherever there's things going on in the world, uh, we don't really, you know, kind of like we did before we got involved in World War II. I mean, we, we, mm -hmm. we, we basically stood in the sidelines and watched, and it took Pearl Harbor to get us into the war. And, and some people will say, now this, I guess, is a conspiracy theorist in me talking, but some some people say that World War or, or that Pearl Harbor was intentional so that the United States would get into the war. Yeah, I mean, people say that about 9/11 that it was an in, an inside job just to get the people stirred up. But you know, really, the problem is that there's so many things. It's kind of like we, I think it's the problem conservatives have because we say you should be a strong individual, 
but we really don't believe that in a sense because yeah. we don't want people to to be hungry we don't want people to die of diseases so we want to provide for people we, we're general generally a generous kind of society but it does mean that there's a lack of consequences for things well in in the fact that you can't take care of everyone and personal responsibility is something that's very important uh-huh. And sometimes people just have to be able to take care of themselves. They can't always look to someone else to prop them up or support them. And that's kind of the mentality I think that um, a lot of people have when it comes to living in this day and age, that we don't want anybody to fall between the cracks. And uh, our, our government has done a good job of propping a lot of people up, mm-hmm. while at the same time holding them hostage. Because, you know, through all these government programs where they give you this and they give you that, and you get, 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 you don't learn anything. You don't learn anything about being self-sufficient. You don't learn anything about personal responsibility. And then when that goes away, you're, uh, for lack of a better term, screwed. Well, it sounds like a conversation I have with young people a lot because their mentality, and mentality sounds like, the, like a negative comment, but they're saying, well, why should, the, why should life be so hard? Why should life be so con- competitive? Why can't we have a government that makes sure that nobody falls through the cracks? Why don't we have a guaranteed minimum income so that, yeah, we can still have competition, but at least we won't starve to death while we're competing? And it all becomes a kind of a slippery slope and a lot of compromise when you start having government interfere with things. But that's kind of the, the popular feeling is... I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that, I should have this, I should have that. Have a kinder and gentler world, is is what they would say. Well, unfortunately, there are still people out there who will take advantage of that kinder, gentler world and the people that live in it. 8.30, we've got Stacey Johnson standing by from lakeexpo.com with an update on your local news. Lakeexpo.com, your trusted news source. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, November 5th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. Quaker Windows in Eldon is expanding its operation. The company is adding a commercial window and door facility to their existing plant, catering to the construction market. The new facility is expected to create 150 additional jobs by 2022 when the building is in full operation. Currently, Quaker has 150 employees in Eldon, meaning this new expansion will double Quaker's local workforce. An Olathe man is accused of evading arrest and attacking a local deputy. A Camden County deputy was attempting a traffic stop on Saturday, October 30th, when the suspect, Daniel Haig, allegedly tried to evade him. The suspect then left the car at Camden on the lake, and when the deputy pursued, Haig struck him multiple times in the face with a sharp object. The deputy was transported to Lake Regional for treatment, but has since been discharged. Haig is being held in Camden County Jail without bond. Come on out for some free barbecue and a chance to impact the watershed plan with the barbecue lunch and learn the Lake Watershed Alliance. LOA is planning to expand the existing two watershed boundaries from Bagnell Dam to the 42-mile marker and is looking for community feedback.
So make plans to join Loa at the Sunrise Beach Fire Station at noon on Thursday, November 18th to learn what this means and how you can make your voice heard. For more on these stories, head to lakeexpo.com. Download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what, what were the events, what are the things behind the scenes here, what, what led to this. Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why it well it's because the news told us join professor jim paisley thursdays and saturdays at 6 a.m 2 p.m and 10 p.m for the true history professor program on 89.3 the key Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niagara River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. It is 8.35. Thank you for uh, tuning in this morning on the Friday edition of The Daily Show here on 89.3. It is Key Radio. We also uh, are available to you online if you'd like to uh, listen at uh, keyradio.live. Don't forget the Android app. You go to the Google Store and Check out uh, Key Radio, K-E-Y-K, and you can download the uh, Android app on your phone and take us with you wherever you go. We've got uh, sports coming up here in just a moment. Quick check of the weather forecast. Looks like we're headed into a very nice fall weekend. We'll start out today with a high of 57, drop down to 36 for the low tonight. Should see uh, maybe a few clouds off and on throughout the course of the day, clear tonight. And then a beautiful day tomorrow, sunny and 63 with a low 41. Sunny in 69 on Sunday with a low of 46. And then looks like sunshine in 71 with a low of 53 degrees on Monday. So some nice weather 
to get us through and a uh, nice start there. Uh, we'll also see some clouds uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe a few showers possible on Thursday. And then temps going from 64 uh, on Tuesday, 65 on Wednesday, dropping into the upper 50s with 58 the high on Thursday. And then we're looking at uh, mid to upper 40s Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week. So maybe a good week to, uh, or a good weekend next weekend to make another pot of comfort food. Whatever it is you didn't do uh, so far, well, those will be some good candidates for uh, keeping you nice and warm and uh, taking care of business. 8.36 is our time, as I mentioned. Chris Schneider with Lake TV is standing by with a check of sports on the key. Well, thank you, KBTGIF, and good Friday morning to you. We've got some high school football on the way tonight. Second-round playoff action. Six and three Camdenton traveling up the road to play eight and one Lebanon in this second-round playoff game. Yellow Jackets eight and one on the season, the number one district seed. And, of course, they beat Camdenton during the regular season as the Lakers look for a uh, revenge win tonight. Four and six Eldon travels to seven and two Mexico for a second-round playoff game there as well this evening. Keep in mind, you can see both Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore and Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly on Lake TV's High School Football Coaches Show. You can see that today, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, 6 at night. Coach Shore previewing this game against Lebanon tonight. Coach Jolly talking about Osage's season that came to an end last week. Of course, the first college football playoff ranking came out this week. Georgia sitting at number one, Alabama number two, Michigan State is three, and Oregon four. So uh, they sit in the catbird seat right now as far as being able to go to the college football playoff. Mizzou in action at number one, Georgia tomorrow. The Tigers four and four, Georgia perfect eight and oh. The Bulldogs, big favorites to win that. They'll kick it off at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Five and three, MSU Bears at Six and two, Southern Illinois. They will kick that off at noon tomorrow. Of course, the Chiefs home against the seven and one Packers Sunday afternoon. That's a three twenty-five kickoff. The Packers without their star quarterback Brett Favre. He's got COVID, so he'll be out for uh, at least ten days. Jordan Love, the guy that made all the waves during the off season. The Packers picked Love. He's apparently their quarterback of the future. Rodgers wasn't happy about that. Well, Love gets his first. NFL start against the Chiefs this week and the Packers will have their top receiver Devontae Adams back. He comes off the COVID list as well. After missing last week's game, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is expected to be back this week as the Cowboys play the Broncos. So KB, there's your sports for this Friday morning. Back to you. 839. Thank you, Chris Schneider. We appreciate the opportunity and we'll look forward to hearing from you again. Uh, and again, folks, I know he mentions Brett Favre in his sportscast, uh, but it's a recorded sportscast, and we uh, can't get him to change it uh, all that quick, so we'll just let it slide for today. And I'll remind him when I see him that uh, Brett Favre no longer plays for the Packers. That's just the way it goes. Bob Lynch is with us from the Missouri Department of Transportation. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, KB. Good to see you, sir, and uh, thanks for taking some time out to uh, let us know what's going on. So I guess first and foremost... Uh, and I will throw this out there as well. If anybody has an issue or a problem or needs to get a hold of Bob, you can do that. 
by calling us at 573-633-5395, 633-5395, and uh, maybe pass along some information on a pothole or something like that. Not a whole lot of potholes uh, now, but they'll be coming, won't they? Well, we've been uh, dealing with them all year round, and we typically do, unfortunately. But, no, the spring season is when uh, they'll certainly start showing up a lot more often with the freeze-thaw cycle during that time and even going into the early parts of winter. So uh, let us know where they're at, and we'll take care of them. And by the way, good morning, Bill. I didn't mean to yes, uh, good morning. ignore you there. But, uh, yes, it's always great to be here in the morning. So uh, a couple of updates on some projects that we've got going on. The uh, bridge project over the Bagnell Dam uh, and, uh, of course, uh, is it – now, correct me if I'm wrong. The, uh, how do you pronounce the word T-E-L-L? Tell. So why is it Bagnell Dam and not Bagnell Dam? Because I used to say Bagnell Dam, and I got chewed out by a bunch of people for it. Really? How, how are you supposed to say it? I thought it was Bagnell Dam, and they said, no, it's Bagnell Dam. Oh, Bagnell. They're just quick about it. I guess. Yeah. Who knows? I guess it's all who you ask. Anyway – uh, aside from that, let's uh, talk about the project itself. We had uh, Jacob Gressley in last week, and he said it was taking a little bit uh, longer than originally anticipated to uh, take care of some of that concrete on there, getting the old stuff off to make way for the new stuff. Yes, we found some additional uh, poor concrete, and uh, so we've been addressing that, and actually the contractor scheduled to do their first pour uh, Monday evening of next week, and I don't know if Jacob talked about it or not, but uh, the... The latex uh, modified concrete that we're using for the driving surface reacts to the ultraviolet light from the sun uh, negatively. And so uh, typically those pores will be be done during the nighttime, and that's what the plan is for Monday night uh, to do that. And um, so that creates challenges in itself because we're starting to get colder temperatures, and, and you also have to have a certain temperature when you're pouring this type of material. So... Uh, next week's weather looks to be good from that standpoint, and uh, it's good to see the contractor getting those pours underway. What about temperature? Does temperature have an effect on this? Because I know we're, uh, you know, we've we've had uh, temperatures uh, as far as overnight lows, uh, freeze warnings, so well into the low 30s. Yes, and uh, they they did talk about trying to pour this week or this, you know during this week, and the overnight temperatures are going to be a little bit too low, so they. They rescheduled it to Monday, and, um, you know, that that's true with uh, any type of material during this time. You know, asphalt uh, isn't good to lay it down below uh, 40 degrees, and uh, concrete's certainly the same way. And a lot of times what contractors will do over the wintertime is they'll they'll create a uh, uh, structure that heats that area if, if needed to be able to continue working. And don't know that we have to do that yet, but, um, you know, I've been on projects where, We've poured a, a deck on a bridge during the winter time, and you had to create a, a system that uh, put heat into the bridge, basically, mm-hmm. and allowed it to cure properly, and still allow the work to go on, you know, uh, during during the winter time. So uh, sometimes uh, those things have to be put in place. Sometimes the schedules, you know, they're done during the summertime, and you don't have to worry about it. So mm-hmm. it's all about uh, how the how the project is scheduled and when the work can get done. Now, you mentioned putting heat into a bridge. Typically, how is that done, or do you have to do it differently each time, con- considering the makeup of the bridge? Right. Uh, you know, the situation where I was involved, uh, the girders allowed you to encapsulate the underside of the bridge with, you know, basically just plastic. Uh-huh. And uh, they just use a heating system to push heat into that area. And then, of course, the, the plastic uh, enclosure 
traps that heat from underneath and that heat rises up into the deck and it just keeps everything you know above that freezing temperature that we're worried about and so it depends on you know obviously the structure how, how well you can encapsulate it but uh, you know contractors are familiar with doing that type of work if they need to do it and uh, there's also um, mats you can put on top of the deck that hold that heat in as well and uh, those are just simply laid on top of the of the driving surface and takes care of what you need in order to uh, keep that heat uh, you know when you pour concrete it generates heat in itself and if you can you know capture that heat it helps you cure the cure the concrete correctly so this is your first pour how many more pours are you anticipating at this point well there should be uh, I think they set up four initially for the right. to do them all and you know four or five is what we're expecting um, it just depends on, you know, how the, how this first one goes and, you know, get all the kinks, uh, worked out, so to speak. And, but, uh, they have their railing system set up. Uh, they use a bid, bidwell machine that, uh, basically places the concrete and, uh, you know, they've been testing the concrete, getting it ready to go. And so everything's good to go and we just got to make sure the weather holds in there. 845 is our time. Bob Lynch is our guest from MoDOT. If you have a question or comment for Bob. So uh, you're counting on Mother Nature to give you a bit of a break. You're going to have some nice weather going into uh, the weekend, and that pour for Monday, uh, 70 degrees for the high. So I guess uh, you'd probably be in pretty good shape there. We should be. And, uh, you know, we still have a project west on Route D. Right. By Hatanka Bridge Project as well. And the contractor uh, is putting in the new girders on the, uh, the I'll say, the north side of the bridge. Right. And, uh, you know, so things are moving along well there. They, they did complete one half of the structure, and traffic has moved on to that. And there is a little bit of a, a bump going through the area. That's because we haven't uh, completed the, the asphalt overlay approaching the bridge. So uh, that's why that situation is like that. Uh, once we get the new, the new driving surface on the bridge, um, then they'll come in and relay the approach roadway. And then it'll fi- fix all those uh, little bumps that you drive across when you go across the bridge today. So talk about that uh, system that they have there to allow the traffic to go through. I guess they've got like stoplights on either end, something, some, some type of a system set up like that. I guess there was a little concern early on, but it doesn't seem like it's been an issue. I guess you'd almost have to ask somebody that goes through there on a, pretty much on a daily basis. Yes, it's it's basically temporary traffic signals and those signals uh, will talk to each other. They have a little radio uh, antenna on them. And um, so we just provide time, what we think is, is appropriate for how much traffic is on the roadway. Right. And uh, what's unique about these temporary signals is that you have to allow time for that length of uh, closure to clear itself. And, you know, it's several hundred feet between the two signals. And usually what we are familiar with at an intersection, they're all, you know, everybody's close together. Right. Well, in this situation, you have to wait for that to clear out any any traffic going across the bridge. And sometimes uh, it just it appears like there's nothing going on because of that long red light. Uh, but that's why it's doing that is to make sure traffic is cleared uh, wherever it's going. Yeah, I noticed that a few days ago when I went over it. You kind of sit there waiting, thinking, well, why isn't it going green now? And that's because of that. So there isn't a sensor that can see the ongoing traffic and then clear the light. No, I don't think uh, these signals have that technology. And, uh, you know, we observe how much traffic is out there. And, um, you know, traffic fluctuates throughout the day, of course. 
Uh, in the morning, you probably have more traffic trying to come into Camden. Uh, in the evening, you have it, you know, going back out uh, to their homes, and and so you try to provide the best timing based on what kind of traffic you see throughout the day. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. I, maybe if you drove it every day, you might get annoyed by it, but sure, we understand that. We were just out at Hahatanka, so it's vacation time, kind of. Yes, and beautiful colors out there too, with the with the fall leaves. So there are a couple of projects you uh, mentioned to us before we jumped on the air here that are in the works. Uh, what can we uh, tell the listeners about those? The commission approved project uh, that was uh, awarded to uh, Magruder Paving, but uh, they are doing a project on Route 7, uh, also on Route 52. But essentially they're going to do an overlay project from Camden to Richland right. on Route 7 to include adding two-foot shoulders. Mm-hmm. And in the lake area, we've put in a lot of these two-foot shoulders over the years. And, and to me, it makes the driving experience much better than what we currently have out there with uh, no shoulder on it. Uh, also on Route 52, from Highway 17, um, I guess, north through St. Elizabeth over to 133, that'll receive an overlay and also the two-foot shoulders. Uh, so nice improvement there. That's a very winding road uh, if you travel it. And, again, it, it makes that experience much better than... Than what we have currently. So on, on five, did you say from Cam- Camdenton to Richland? Well, I meant Route Seven. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, down there. Yes. Yes, down south of us. It will south, be here. Yes, Route Seven. Uh, yeah. Travels uh, west towards Warsaw. Okay. From Route Five, and then it, it travels along Route Five as you go south uh, through Camdenton, and then it turns at that interchange and heads. Uh, yeah. Southwest towards, uh, or southeast, I guess, towards Richland. Yeah, we don't really have shoulders along our part of Route 5 right out here. Do we? <laughs> the Right <laughs> directly in front of your building? Yeah. Well, that's not a state route any longer. Yeah, okay. So that's that's old Route 5, and I think this section is, is part of the county system. Right. Um, and then as you get into town, it, it reverts over to the city system roadway. Okay. But you're right, there's no shoulder out here. Yeah. I was hoping to get rid of some of that grass I have to cut. <laughs> Not going to happen. Nope. Eight fifty. What is the uh, what's the other pro- uh, project that you're working on? The other uh, there, there were two of them, correct? Well, the uh, the ones that have been approved, you mean, or right. just the actual work we're doing? Uh, boy, we have uh, several seal coat projects that have been approved, mm-hmm. and they're also on routes fifty two and seventeen in different locations. The what I mentioned before, right? Um, you know, so we're also going to be doing work on Route 54 from the Grand Glaze Bridge uh, east towards uh, Mace Road overpass in, in Osage Beach. It's an asphalt section, and we're going to repave that uh, next next season. Um, so just a lot of good, we call that asset management uh, work, where we're taking care of the existing system. And, you know, we were talking about the Highway Commission earlier, Bill, and they give us direction on, uh, and basically that direction is provided to them from what we hear from the public. And over the years, they have said, take care of what you have first. Mm-hmm. So we've developed an asset management program that uh, does take care of the existing system. Uh, we set certain goals on how how well the payment should be. Uh, the major route should be 90% good condition across the state. The minor route system, 80%, and then the low volume system, 70%. So we program our projects to ensure that we have those goals met. Also, we want to reduce the bridges that are in poor condition across the state. So that's the direction we get from the commission, and then we set up projects to fulfill that. Well, obviously, 
with the gas tax being given the thumbs up, you folks are going to have more money to work with uh, in the uh, coming years, and uh, hopefully that will mean uh, you know some things will get done maybe a little sooner than originally anticipated based on the fact that you can start kind of managing that money a little bit. But um, uh, what, are, uh, what are some of the things that uh, MoDOT looks at? And, and when I say this, in terms of, you know, Osage Beach came so close to that cost-sharing program right before that uh, program was, was cut off. And is that something that MoDOT is going to be doing more of with uh, available funds? Uh, I know we had talked about that particular area, and I guess there's something in the works for it. I don't know if it's been approved as of yet, but that uh, area we were talking about from right around um, where Y Road is all the way down 54 there, kind of like utilizing that side road so that people don't have to pull off of 54 uh, when, uh, you know, there's traffic coming up behind them doing uh, 60, 65 miles an hour there. Yes, and the Highway Commission reinstated the cost share program, um, you know, several years ago. Uh, it is true that we missed that opportunity uh, back when the city proposed doing the entire length. Uh, but they have received uh, approval for a cost share project along that stretch. Uh, it's scaled back version. It's it's from the end there by Lazy Days Road to Executive Drive. And they were awarded cost share funds to do that project and it's going to be underway in 2022 as well. And so uh, the city will pay for 50% of the project and the Highway Commission will pay for the other 50%. And uh, the city of Osage Beach is putting together the contract, the engineering, and, of course, we'll review that. And, um, and then they'll let the project and get that work underway, and it's, it's going to be a nice improvement. They're starting on that again, and it'll take care of that first intersection uh, with Executive Drive. Well, and that'll be nice. It, it, it'll improve uh, a lot of things, including safety for the motorists that uh, – uh, need to uh, pop into some of those places in that uh, general vicinity there. Something else I, I noticed here, uh, one of the news releases, uh, this emergency responders, uh, they signed agreement for road clearance goal. Um, I guess in reading this it says that uh, the goal here is to clear traffic incidents safely from the roadway in no more than 90 minutes from the arrival of the first responder. And uh, that sounds that sounds like a good idea, but do you think that's something that's uh, pretty pretty feasible? Can can they really do something like that, depending on the severity of the situation, or or I guess you know the the key here is to keep people rolling on the highways. You know, if there's an accident, there's an accident, and then you have to do what you need to do to get get it cleared. If you know if there's any injuries or certain things like that, but um, do you think this is something that'll really work for? Uh, for all of these various agencies involved, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, the Missouri, it says Missouri Division of Fire Safety, Missouri Department of Natural Resources, Missouri Tow Truck Association. They all have a hand in, obviously, clearing accidents from uh, the roadway. And uh, is this something that you think will work? Uh, yes, and that's why it was was done. Uh, all, all the different responders have noticed that uh, secondary incidents occur when you start having traffic right. backing up after the initial one. And so you may have just a minor fender bender, I'll call it, with the initial uh, accident. And then as that traffic backs up, especially if it's on an interstate highway, all of a sudden you, the severe accident happens a mile or two back uh, during that backup. So that's what it's designed to do is, is to get that roadway opened up as quickly as possible because of those concerns with the secondary accidents 
And and the emergency responders have known that over the years, and this is just a way to set up an agreement to shoot for that goal of 90 minutes, and uh, you know that's an hour and a half. Um, so it to me it's it's probably achieved majority of time already, and uh, but it's just a message that we want to portray across the state that it's very important to first of all take care of the incident at hand. You know if there's injuries and respond to that correctly. Want to be safe out there. We're not trying to rush things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also notice that uh, the concern for that traffic that's backing up and try to get the roadway back open. Well, my concern there would be the weather, and especially in winter weather, when you've, you know, we've had incidents, especially, I think, uh, was it last year, two years ago, they had a major incident on uh, I-44, and, you know, you get into, it's almost like a chain reaction type situation where you have um, the additional accident and then people are coming in at a relatively high rate of speed because they don't want to have to slow down even though they need to because it's uh, it's winter and the roadways are a little slick and then it just you know it just like a domino effect right and it's a goal you know like you said the if you have a 50 car pile up in a situation like that that's that's going to be a challenge to get get that goal completed and but in general it's speaking in general terms and um first priority is to be safe safe the environment uh, you know that you're dealing with at the time but then uh, you know work towards getting that traffic moving again and i guess it's uh, okay for us to talk a little bit about the fact that uh, you're still looking for uh, for folks to drive the snow plows this year we are uh, emergency operators and uh, certainly go to modot.org and we'll get you uh, trained and ready to go and uh, that was a question i had for you too this morning has winter operations begin yet at MoDOT. What's that? If we want to be snowplow drivers? No, I'm just asking, do you think we've started winter operations yet? Have I would I would imagine you almost have to. You have to be prepared and stay ahead of the game. Yeah, I'm looking at a story here about St. Louis. Their earliest snowstorm, no, snow, snowfall in 2019 was November 11th. So yes. you got to be ready. So we're ready, but yes, actually physical operations have begun. Uh, with these cold temperatures you talked about, there's frost on the highway, mm-hmm. frost on the bridges. Right. And you'll notice that we've already started putting down our um, beet juice salt brine solution over the bridges to address that frost in the morning situation. And so th- those are, you know, when we put that material down, that's charged to winter operations. So, yes, we have started winter operations for this winter. It's probably a good reminder for folks to, uh, you know, just keep in mind that you need to slow down. On some of those spots, those spots where you know it, maybe the roadway doesn't get a whole lot of sun, and uh, you mentioned bridges and overpasses and things like that. So, have you put product down on, let's say, the Grand Glaze Bridge? Yes. Okay. That's that's what I'm talking about. Is you'll see that product applied to the bridges, and uh, it's a, it's a combination of of, of the salt brine, then it has a beet juice mixed in with it, right? And that helps it, uh, you know, at lower temperatures. But uh, also pavements, you know, like you said, it may not get a lot of sun. Concrete pavements uh, are usually colder than asphalt pavements. Right. Uh, you know, that black asphalt will hold the heat in. Uh, concrete reflects it away. So there may be areas, if we have a concrete section that's in a valley section, that we'll have to apply that salt brine solution as well to keep that frost off that roadway. Very good, sir. Well, we appreciate uh, you taking the time to come in and see us this morning. and. We'll look forward to having you back next Friday. Very good. Thank you. Bob Lynch from the Missouri Department of Transportation as it is straight up 9 o'clock here on the Midwest Coast, and we are ready 
for our information uh, block at the top of the hour. We'll hear from Stacy Johnson, also Chris Schneider from Lake TV, and we'll get that weather forecast in uh, in there for you as well. Looking good this weekend throughout the uh, uh, lake area as far as some uh, nice temperatures, comfortable temperatures, and uh, plenty of sunshine it looks like. So maybe a good weekend, we mentioned earlier, to get out there at Hahataka and take a look at uh, all of the beautiful colors. 9 a.m. on the Midwest Coast, you're listening to 89.3 The Key, also heard live uh, at uh, Key Radio. Dot live And don't forget that Android app. Uh, go to the Google Store. Look for uh, Key Radio, K-E-Y-K. Download the app, and you've got us wherever you are headed. The Lake of the Ozarks' only community radio station. That's right. You've got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks. 89.3 K-E-Y-K. Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, November 5th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. Quaker Windows in Eldon is expanding its operation. The company is adding a commercial window and door facility to their existing plant, catering to the construction market. The new facility is expected to create 150 additional jobs by 2022 when the building is in full operation. Currently, Quaker has 150 employees in Eldon, meaning this new expansion will double Quaker's local workforce. An Olathe man is accused of evading arrest and attacking a local deputy. A Camden County deputy was attempting a traffic stop on Saturday, October 30th, when the suspect, Daniel Haig, allegedly tried to evade him. The suspect then left the car at Camden on the lake, and when the deputy pursued, Haig struck him multiple times in the face with a sharp object. The deputy was transported to Lake Regional for treatment, but has since been discharged. Haig is being held in Camden County Jail without bond. Come on out for some free barbecue and a chance to impact the watershed plan with the barbecue lunch and learn the Lake Watershed Alliance. LOA is planning to expand the existing two watershed boundaries from Bagnell Dam to the 42-mile marker and is looking for community feedback. So make plans to join LOA at the Sunrise Beach Fire Station at noon on Thursday, November 18th to learn what this means and how you can make your voice heard. For more on these stories, head to lakeexpo.com. Download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about Victoria Station. We carry nautical, contemporary, and traditional type themes in our store in general, but we go into lots of different categories. When you come to Victoria Station, we want you to feel like you've escaped from the world. We want you to come and enjoy the sights, the sounds, the smells, and find that something special to introduce that into your own home. We are located just off the Case Road exit in Osage. 
Osage Beach, and we're open seven days a week, 9.30 to 5.30. The serving table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need, but this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the serving table can open every day. Learn more at keygatheringplace.com or search Facebook for The Serving Table. If you've got a topic you'd like to share with the community, contact us right here at 89.3, The Key. All right, we're back at 9.05 here on The Daily Show. Thanks so much for taking some time to uh, to join us. And we thank Bob Lynch, as always, for uh, making the trek over here to uh, be a part of what's going on and letting you know what's going on around uh, the lake area as far as any road construction, things that... Uh, they've got coming up in the future and if you do have any questions or comments uh, make sure you give us a call when bob's here at 573-633-5395 uh programming on key radio today freedom's call coming up following the daily show also christianity and business schoolhouse rock counterculture mom at 1 p.m with tina griffin feed your family tonight at 2 p.m and then bradley berg and encompassed purpose rounding out the uh, lineup of programming for us. And then we'll rebroadcast it starting at 4 and then again at midnight. A couple of other things going on wanted to tell you about here real quick. Keith Carmichael is going to speak on election integrity on uh, November the 13th in Sunrise Beach as part of the Concerned Women for America of Missouri. Uh, this presentation uh, coming up on election integrity uh, Missouri Free and Fair with uh, Keith Carmichael at 4 p.m. on Saturday, a week from tomorrow, November 13th, at uh, Sunrise Bible Church, located at 17184 Mo 5, that's Missouri Highway 5 in Sunrise Beach. It's broken, Carmichael said. The entire election apparatus has been uh, taken out of the hands of the citizenry. If we uh, don't have free and fair elections, we don't have a country. And uh, speaking of Keith Carmichael, he will be our guest in the 8 o'clock hour on Monday. 8 o'clock hour on Monday, we'll be talking it over with uh, Keith Carmichael and kind of get a preview of what is on his mind. We are at 36 degrees, 57 the expected high. Right now, let's uh, jump into a check of sports with our good friend Chris Schneider from 
Lake TV on the key. Well, thank you, KBTGIF, and good Friday morning to you. We've got some high school football on the way tonight. Second round playoff action. Six and three Camdenton traveling up the road to play eight and one Lebanon in this second round playoff game. Yellow Jackets, eight and one on the season, the number one district seed. And of course, they beat Camdenton during the regular season as the Lakers look for a uh, revenge win tonight. Four and six Eldon travels to seven and two Mexico for a second-round playoff game there as well this evening. Keep in mind, you can see both Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore and Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly on Lake TV's High School Football Coaches Show. You can see that today, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, 6 at night. Coach Shore previewing this game against Lebanon tonight. Coach Jolly talking about Osage's season that came to an end last week. Of course, the first college football playoff ranking came out this week. Georgia sitting at number one, Alabama number two, Michigan State is three, and Oregon four. So uh, they sit in the catbird seat right now as far as being able to go to the college football playoff. Mizzou in action at number one, Georgia tomorrow. The Tigers four and four, Georgia perfect eight and oh. The Bulldogs, big favorites to win that. They'll kick it off at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Five and three, MSU Bears at Six and two, Southern Illinois. They will kick that off at noon tomorrow. Of course, the Chiefs home against the seven and one Packers Sunday afternoon. That's a three twenty five kickoff. The Packers without their star quarterback Brett Favre. He's got COVID, so he'll be out for uh, at least ten days. Jordan Love, the guy that made all the waves during the off season. The Packers picked Love. He's apparently their quarterback of the future. Rodgers wasn't happy about that. Well, Love gets his first. NFL start against the Chiefs this week and the Packers will have their top receiver Devontae Adams back. He comes off the COVID list as well. After missing last week's game, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is expected to be back this week as the Cowboys play the Broncos. So KB, there's your sports for this Friday morning. Back to you. Thank you, Chris Schneider. 9:10 is our time and right on time is our guest. He is the gentleman who makes up the Missouri Liberty Report, the podcast that you hear uh, uh, several times a week on Key Radio. His name is John Williams, and uh, John is joining us this morning. John, hey, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for taking uh, time to, to check in and let folks know uh, all about your podcast. Well, Ken, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. And uh, we've got Bill Munhausen here as well this hey, morning hey, with John. us. Hey, good, John. Good to hear from you. You too, Bill. Let's talk a little bit about uh, John Williams, because John Williams at one point was, uh, was a Democrat, if I remember correctly, and uh, in what I was reading there, you were a Democrat, and then you uh, kind of took on a libertarian mindset, John. How in the world did that happen? Well, so there, <clears throat> uh, my last job, I was in the pest control industry, and um, I got sent to a customer's house and we just got talking about different topics and um, <clears throat> got into politics a little bit and I told them, you know, I, I was a Democrat and they gave me uh, <clears throat> a short clip of a movie called um, America, Freedom to Fascism. It was a movie from Aaron Russo who did, uh, I think he did The Rose with Bette Midler and uh, Trading Spaces with um, 
or trading places with uh, Eddie Murphy. But anyway, <laughs> I watched this short clip, and then the full movie comes out a month later. And I watched this documentary, and it just felt like my whole world got turned 180. <clears throat> that, and this movie just basically covers the, um, the start of the Federal Reserve Bank, the income tax, some of the court cases that have been, you know, a part of this. And when you realize that it, basically your whole world was the, the foundation of taxation itself has been turned on its head. And you realize a lot of things you were taught in school and that you get told every day by bureaucrats is that, oh, you, you know, taxes are the, you know, the fees you pay to live in a civilized society. And all those things, that just one major issue gets turned around. It led me on a road of um, research, reading a lot of books, watching a lot of other documentaries. And the next thing I know, I'm just, I'm, I find myself in the camp of wanting to be a sovereign individual and and wanting government to be so small that I don't even know it really exists unless it has to absolutely... I have... Myself and the government have to interact for some reason. Yeah, so basically uh, you're you're not in either party. You're this... You're a, you're a free individual and you can objectively assess both parties in that way. Yeah, um, I, you know, there's times that I see even the Democrat once in a while, like Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, she's, she's pretty good. Been, yeah, I, I don't agree with all of her things, but <clears throat> would I trust her more than Joe Biden right now? <laughs> Absolutely, I would. Uh -huh. So even in, there are par in the parties, there are some ideals there that I can agree with. Mm -hmm. The thing that I... The, the main thing that I want people to understand, because I know when I get talking about the drug war and some of those things, that's a touchy topic for a lot of people. But <clears throat> if people will just come to grips with the understanding that when government gets involved in something, listen, they've, they've declared war on illiteracy and poverty and homelessness and war on drugs and all these things. And every topic that they declare war on, those things always get worse. Government doesn't get involved and improve things. And if, if people could just come to that understanding that says, hey, maybe the free market, maybe we as individual sovereign individuals can pull our money together because we always spend our money better than government can. I think people as a whole, if they put their minds to it and, and just leave the middleman government out and decide that they're going to tackle an issue, I think that they will always tackle it better than government can. Well, I don't think there's any denying that, and I, I wish more people kind of felt that way, uh, because we see every time that government gets a hand into something, and where it ends up, and we were talking with a young lady yesterday, uh, Becky Jennings, who has uh, Jennings Insurance Group, and uh, one of the things we were kind of talking about is how the uh, federal government has screwed up health care by getting involved in it, and uh, they should have just stayed out of it in the first place because their, I guess their goal or their hope was to be able to provide health care for everyone. And anytime you, uh, John, you approach something with that, that blanket uh, kind of a, a thought process, you know that it's not going to work because there is no way that you can literally take care of everyone 
and that is something that I think a lot of us now are we're, we're starting to kind of buy into that theory a little bit that and, and Bill and I were talking about that earlier this morning about the need to be self-reliant about the need to have personal responsibility as opposed to always just going along with what the government wants you know we're here to help you we're here to prop you up we're here to take care of you we're here to pat you on the back we're here to give you whatever it is you need to sustain your life and you just can't think like that. I mean, there's no, there's no real way uh, to say that government can take care of everyone because it's just not possible. Aside, aside from not being possible, it's just not the role of government. The role of government is to defend or protect our God-given freedoms. And freedom requires responsibility and self-initiative. Yeah, and to add to that, <clears throat> normally I don't want government to pass more laws because um, they, somebody ends up getting hurt by it. But in this case of insurance, the one thing that our government could have done right instead of passing this Affordable Care Act, one just a very simple law that, that stated that you could buy insurance across state lines would have solved a lot of this issue because it would have created so much competition in the marketplace that prices would have actually gone down instead of your premiums, your co-pays, your deductibles all skyrocketing. They would have dropped because insurance companies would have been fighting for your business. And instead, like in the state of Missouri now, especially in the government marketplace, there might be two insurance companies left. So there's no there's no incentive for them to fight for your business. They can just jack the prices up and say, well, government demands you have insurance. So you're going to pay a, you know, you're going to pay what we ask of you or you're going to get penalized. It was a very simple solution to the uh, uh, problem, but government can take a problem and come up with a so-called solution and actually make the problem worse. And I think what we've seen with the affordable care act, and now what we're seeing with COVID is, it, and the way the government has handled it is the exact reason I, myself and a lot of others, did not want government's hand in health control. Because when we have a situation like this, man, they're going to be all over it. And they're going to make things worse and just scare people into a, a frenzy. And now we have friends and families fighting each other over Oh, you're not vaccinated, or oh, you don't think COVID's that serious. <clears throat> so literally, friendships and family um, relationships have been splintered. And I'm not blaming that all on the Affordable Care Act, but it does cause, it does lead to to worse and worse effects when government gets involved in something as um, emotional as as health insurance. Very true, and uh, we've seen how COVID has been utilized as a weapon by the federal government in any, in any number of different ways. In particular, uh, what we're dealing with now, vaccination mandates, and how some people are saying, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Well, then you're going to lose your job. Or uh, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Well, you're not going to be able to leave the country. Uh, or maybe if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to be able to come back into the country. And we're seeing all of these problems created by something that uh, a lot of folks feel uh, wasn't as big or wasn't as much of a problem as uh, 
the government initially made it out to be. And they've, uh, like I said, they've used this as a weapon. They've hurt businesses. They've hurt uh, families. They've hurt individuals with all of this. And so uh, we're just probably going to continue. And, and, and this, from the perspective of a lot of people, is, is just the initial phase. We'll start with something like COVID and then uh, see where we can take it from here and implement other things along the way uh, as far as uh, government uh, trying to take control. And, and by control, I mean total control of our lives. Yeah, John. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, Bill, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, John, I wonder if you'd comment also that it's not just government, it's also the media and corporations that are kind of repeating what the government is saying, and that's a lot of the reason for the conflict between individuals and in families is they're hearing this messaging from so many different private sources also. You know, and that was that kind of ties into what I was going to uh, say next, is because... When we look at these situations, it doesn't matter if it's COVID, if it's 9-11, <clears throat> any of these things. There is a common tie here, and that's language that government uses. Now, when this first started, I think Nancy Pelosi called COVID an invisible enemy. Now, those are words that are used to strike fear into those who hear the message automatically red flags went up with me because I thought, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's, that's, um, you know, in 9-11, <clears throat> especially with the Patriot Act and things, it was, oh, there's a, there's a terrorist around every corner, under every rock, and it's, they're going to come and get you. And it was, all it was is to impose fear on the public so that there would be an outcry and there would be acceptance of a mass surveillance state that's included in the Patriot Act. Now we have people crying for for not just the feds, but a lot of governors, a lot of mayors, a lot of health department officials to tell people to stay home, to literally snitch on your neighbor. The language, if people learn to listen to the language that these politicians use, um, there is a very type of normal circulatory type rhetoric that they use in any situation where they're trying to get the public to accept some silly law that they want to pass or heavy regulations or, you know, making the rich pay their fair share. There's always a certain type of language that they use. And I think if people would start listening and like, and really hearing the words, they will see a pattern that you, you can see over the last several decades. There's a pattern of language there that if people would pick up on that, they automatically know that the government is trying to pull one over on them. It's not hard to do if you just break down and, and the, the language and really, really listen to what they have to say. You will know within the first couple of days what the, what the, media, what the media says and what the politicians say you will know that there is something evil afoot. Well, now the Patriot Act has already come back around, John, uh, to bite us in the behind because uh, it was uh, kind of used in this, uh, this situation regarding parents and, uh, and school board meetings 
and you know referring to uh, parents as domestic terrorists but the Patriot Act that was supposed to be there to protect us is now being uh, being used to uh, to possibly go after parents if they don't like what's happening at a school board meeting, and they can uh, they can get up and uh, they can say what's on their mind. And in like like we've talked about plenty here on this program, school boards are elected officials, and if you don't like something an elected official is doing, you should be able to address that particular person or that particular school board because they're all elected. Uh, uh, to that uh, particular position. And on top of it, we're talking about people getting shut down uh, for free speech. You know, and, and, and I think as long as people can be reasonable about the approach they take to some of these uh, men and women who make up a school board, I don't see any problem with what it is they're doing, and they should be allowed to do this. I mean, they pay their uh, taxes and the taxes that go to the school, the property taxes and such. If they don't like the direction a school is going, they should have every opportunity to voice their opinion. But then we found out the uh, uh, Attorney General, Merrick Garland, and his Department of Justice, uh, I, I almost want to call them thugs, uh, decided to put out a memo October the 4th talking about the fact that, you know, we need to implement the FBI and we need to... Uh, uh, we need to seek out these people and find out what their problem is, and we need to shut them down because we don't really want anyone, uh, certainly any parent, involved as much as they used to be with their uh, their child's education. You know, I, I think that's one of the greatest insults of all, really, is to say that, <clears throat> listen, we're, we're taking your money to fund the education of your child but how dare you question the education that we're giving your children, even though you're, we're taking your money and, uh, you know, putting, you, putting the nation farther into debt as they're trying to, uh, you know, keep school systems afloat. That, that's the greatest insult of all is when a government will take your money, use it, and then when you call into question the means or the, the curriculums or what have you, that they say, listen, we've got this under control. Just sit down and be quiet and let us teach your children. Well, the problem is, what are they teaching the kids? When the government is trying to get you to stop questioning their methods, again, that means there's something there they probably don't want you to figure out. There's right. something there that they don't want you to know about. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And uh, interestingly enough, of course, the uh, conflict of interest that Merrick Garland's daughter uh, presents because she's married to this uh, Alexander, I believe his name is Tanner, and uh, he has that uh, uh, Panorama Technologies company. And what is what is their goal? Well, their goal is to uh, get into the schools and have these uh, social and emotional screeners. And uh, Fairfax County, Virginia recently signed a $1.8 million deal with this company, this uh, Alexander uh, Tanner's company. And essentially, so now you've got 180,000 students at the uh, disposal of this company to ask them the various questions that uh, they've, they've been asking kids for uh, some years now. You know, are you gender fluid? Are you happy? Are you sad? Uh, does the child meet the uh, uh, particular criteria that this uh, company has set up in terms of how they react? and the scores on their tests and things along these lines so that uh, uh, of course th th that these companies along with these schools can have more control over the children 
and it goes back to the old indoctrination versus education uh, argument. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know that um, people question how we got to where we are now. And the schools are the leading factor because when you're not taught proper history, you're not taught the proper role of government. And <clears throat> basically, you, you're not even allowed to really question the curriculum, ask, you know, real, real questions in the classroom. You know, a lot of these kids are going to come out on the other side as obedient, not questioning what a politician or even a, maybe a college professor will tell them. There's a reason behind it, of course, that, that if you dumb down the population enough, that government will be able to per, you know, perpetuate the system that they've had in place for a long time, and then the, the slow creep of a more socialist society. There's, I mean, you, let, let's face it. You have to be brain dead not to see that this is what, you know, that's, that's what this is all about. And when you are able to put the FBI, get the FBI involved to try to label people as domestic terrorists and, and not be able to question the curriculum or what's going on in their school, well, then that advance of dumbing down the kids, it, it, it speeds the process up. Now, again, I'm fortunate because... Um, I have a daughter that graduated two years ago. My son will be graduating this year. But my kids know how to break down a subject. Now, we might not agree on, you know, what, whatever they come to, whatever realization they come to. We might not have an agreement on the end. But at least I know my kids took the time to review all of the evidence and make up their own mind. And that's one thing, if as, as parents of, you know, kids in schools, if I was to ask the school districts, if I had complete say and say, you know, what, what would you want your kids, what kind of skills do you want your kids to have? I want my kids to have the skills and be taught how to critically think and use logic to break down any subject. Now, you may not all come to the same conclusion, but at least... You thought it through. But right now, kids are being indoctrinated as, here's the facts, don't question it. You know, if you're white, you should hate yourself. If you have a little more money than somebody else, you should hate yourself. That we are just a country of oppression, and <clears throat> any other minority just doesn't even stand a chance. Again, you, they're going to make people so woke that they come out on the, on the other side as racist. And so when a politician accuses someone of being a racist, we have to understand that the person saying that is probably more racist than anybody else hearing that message. And that's very true. And, 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 and I was once told that if someone calls you a racist, they are the racist themselves. And uh, a black gentleman mentioned that to me one time. Uh, 9.30. Uh, John, we're going to take a quick break here at the bottom of the hour and uh, t uh, take care of some information. We've got some news and sports and weather 
I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind giving us a call back at about 940 because I don't want to keep you on the line for you know eight or nine minutes. If you could just give us a call back at the number I gave you there, 633-5395, because I want to continue this conversation and, uh, in general, focus on the podcast, the uh, Missouri Liberty Report podcast, and how you get uh, some of the ideas for the topics that you address and certainly some of the things that you think need to be addressed and maybe uh, some of the issues that are going on here here in the state of Missouri that uh, you're keeping an eye on. So I'm going to hang up, and then if you could give us a call back in about eight or nine minutes, and uh, and we'll continue our discussion. Sounds great. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. That is John Williams, and John is, of course, the gentleman who heads up the Missouri Liberty Report, and you can hear that, I believe, on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays here on 89.3 The Key. And so I want to make sure I do this properly before we uh, before we jump into news. So when he calls back, he can get through. So that's not an issue there. Nine thirty-two. Stacy Johnson is standing by. Uh, we'll also get a check of uh, sports with Chris Schneider, and we'll update you on the weather forecast. It's all coming up on the key. I'm Stacy Johnson. And this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, November 5th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. Quaker Windows in Eldon is expanding its operation. The company is adding a commercial window and door facility to their existing plant, catering to the construction market. The new facility is expected to create 150 additional jobs by 2022 when the building is in full operation. Currently, Quaker has 150 employees in Eldon, meaning this new expansion will double Quaker's local workforce. An Olathe man is accused of evading arrest and attacking a local deputy. A Camden County deputy was attempting a traffic stop on Saturday, October 30th, when the suspect, Daniel Haig, allegedly tried to evade him. The suspect then left the car at Camden on the lake, and when the deputy pursued, Haig struck him multiple times in the face with a sharp object. The deputy was transported to Lake Regional for treatment, but has since been discharged. Haig is being held in Camden County Jail without bond. Come on out for some free barbecue and a chance to impact the watershed plan with the barbecue lunch and learn the Lake Watershed Alliance. LOA is planning to expand the existing two watershed boundaries from Bagnell Dam to the 42-mile marker and is looking for community feedback. So make plans to join LOA at the Sunrise Beach Fire Station at noon on Thursday, November 18th to learn what this means and how you can make your voice heard. For more on these stories, head to lakeexpo.com. Download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Join 89.3 The Key for the True History Professor program featuring Professor Jim Paisley. The national media now is kind of taking advantage of people. They hit you with a, you know, a big headline, and then they don't give you any information behind it. There's no context to it. Problem. And so what I'm going to try and do, uh, you know, on a weekly basis with the show is to try and share with you what, what were the events, what are the things behind the scenes here, what what led to this. Professor Paisley takes a look back at history and how it relates to present day events. But we take it on face value without having any knowledge of why it well it's because the news told us 
Join Professor Jim Paisley Thursdays and Saturdays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. for the True History Professor Program on 89.3 The Key. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niagara River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. Hey, it's 9.37. We're back, and of course, we'll be talking with uh, John Williams, continuing on our discussion with the gentleman who created the podcast, Missouri Liberty Report, which you can hear on Key Radio Tuesdays and Thursday mornings at uh, 10 a.m., and then uh, following uh, the daily show as part of the rebroadcast at 4 o'clock and uh, at midnight. Uh, quick check of the weather forecast, 39 degrees is where we are uh, headed for today as far as a current temperature. Uh, the high of around 57, maybe hopefully a little closer to 60 degrees before it is all said and done. Let's uh, jump in here with a quick check of sports and uh, then we'll continue our conversation with John Williams on 89.3 The Key. Thank you, KBTGIF, and good Friday morning to you. We've got some high school football on the way tonight. Second round playoff action. Six and three Camdenton traveling up the road to play eight and one Lebanon in this second round playoff game. Yellow Jackets eight and one on the season, the number one district seed. And of course, they beat Camdenton during the regular season as the Lakers look for a uh, revenge win tonight. Four and six Eldon travels to seven and two Mexico for a second-round playoff game there as well this evening. Keep in mind, you can see both Camdenton Lakers coach Jeff Shore and Osage Indians coach Shannon Jolly on Lake TV's High School Football Coaches Show. You can see that today, 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, 6 at night. Coach Shore previewing this game against Lebanon tonight. Coach Jolly talking about Osage's season that came to an end last week. 
course, the first college football playoff ranking came out this week. Georgia sitting at number one. Alabama, number two. Michigan State is three and Oregon four. So uh, they sit in the catbird seat right now as far as being able to go to the college football playoff. Mizzou in action at number one. Georgia tomorrow. The Tigers four and four. Georgia perfect eight and oh. The Bulldogs big favorites to win that. They'll kick it off at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Five and three MSU Bears at six and two Southern Illinois. They will kick that off at noon tomorrow. Of course, the Chiefs home against the seven and one Packers Sunday afternoon. That's a 325 kickoff. The Packers without their star quarterback, Brett Favre. He's got COVID, so he'll be out for at least 10 days. Jordan Love, the guy that made all the waves during the offseason. The Packers picked Love. He's apparently their quarterback of the future. Rodgers wasn't happy about that. Well, Love gets his first NFL start against the Chiefs this week, and the Packers will have their top receiver, Devontae Adams, back. He comes off the COVID list as well. After missing last week's game, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is expected to be back this week as the Cowboys play the Broncos. So, KB, there's your sports for this Friday morning. Back to you. All right, thank you, Chris. We appreciate it. Chris Schneider with, of course, sports from uh, Lake TV on the key. And we are glad to have our guest, John Williams, back. We wanted to uh, talk to John. Of course, he is the gentleman who heads up the Missouri Liberty Report, a podcast specifically designed for our listeners here on uh, on Key Radio. And, uh, John, we certainly appreciate that. I've got to ask you, at what point did you decide that you wanted to start podcasting? Is it uh, uh, after a particular incident or something you heard? Or, or, or what made you uh, want to become uh, involved with the podcast? <coughs> Um, well, several years ago, because there's a uh, there's another local network here that picked up my other podcasts, but several years ago I started doing a show called uh, Reeducation Radio, and the local network picked it up, and then I, I, I took it out and, and tried to just make it a downloadable thing, like a podcast. This has been probably 10 years plus ago, and it, it just really didn't work out, so I just backed off and... Um, I wasn't doing anything and continued kind of being a part of the local network, uh, being a guest on a show randomly. Um, and then it just, as things progressed here in the last six, seven years, I just kept feeling like, uh, kind of like a pull or an urge. Like I have a voice. There's definitely things going on that should not be that are unconstitutional and we're losing our freedoms. And I thought, you know, I, I'm I'm no one special, but if you have a voice and you want to, you know, preach the message of liberty and freedom, then you know somebody has to do. It. We can't we can't all just sit back and go. Well, somebody else will take care of it. Right. So I decided to uh, go out and and start it again, and I've really really enjoyed it. Well, I know a lot of the listeners uh, enjoy it, and we get comments on it all the time uh, that our listeners really. Uh, I really like the direction that you're you're going with the, the various topics that you tackle, which leads me to my next question: what uh, uh, what do you uh, what do you kind of keep an eye on as far as when you 
you, you come up with your motivation to do a podcast is uh, obviously you're looking at things within the state of Missouri. You don't look outside the state uh, too often, I would imagine. It's more focused on, on politics here in the state of Missouri. What are, what are some of the areas that you really like to cover and to keep folks uh, aware of as far as what's going on in our state? Excuse me. Really, I'm uh, things like the Second Amendment, uh, the drug war, education, um, anything. Really, anything that I see as infringing on uh, the people of Missouri's personal freedoms. Um, and I will say that there will be topics that you may hear on upcoming shows that maybe a, a law or a ruling in another state that I would think that would be great that we could focus on here in Missouri but I really don't have any you know solid topics it's just um, <clears throat> on Facebook uh, the Missouri Libertarian Party they post a lot of articles from around the state and I I'm always keeping an eye on those things but it's really anything um, that I, I think would be helpful or harmful to, to freedom and liberty, but yeah, there are the Second Amendment's a huge one, and uh, the drug war is another big one, and then a, another one that I like to focus on too a lot, I will say, is uh, like personal property rights. I think that's an, another big issue that we've really got to stay focused on because when you lose your personal property rights, then the rest of your freedoms kind of fade away rather quickly. You know, John, John, a lot of your uh, testimony is about how you kind of broke out of what you believed once as a Democrat and and re investigated for yourself all the different, I guess you could call them possibilities. <coughs> you tried to learn what the real truth was. But at the same time, we look at our school kids and they're being taught to be conformists, to just kind of uh, go along. How do you break people out? I, obviously, you want to communicate with people how do you is there a strategy to to break people out of their bubble so to speak you know it, it's interesting um when i talk to people and maybe we have our differences I, i've noticed that within about 10 to 15 minutes of conversation you can see whether you're kind of putting a doubt in someone's mind where they're actually going to they're going to take what you've told them and look at it for themselves. And that's what I tell people. I try to get people to understand that if they listen to my show, what I'm, I don't expect you to believe anything I say, what I'm trying to convince people to do is to do their research, but you can kind of gauge a person and, and know that if you're having a conversation that you're having with them, it's affecting them in a way that, may change their mind or if they're so set in their ways that something else is going to have to happen to maybe affect their way of thinking. Um, but I try to just kind of throw tiny tidbits in. If someone brings up uh, the income tax, per se, I'll say, well, did you know that two-thirds of the state never ratified the 16th Amendment to the Constitution? There's actually a book written, and I don't remember the author's name because it's two authors, and it's called the law that never was. And they go through each state trying to find out if they actually ratified, you know, the federal income tax. And what they're finding in the book is it doesn't look like they did. So I just kind of throw a little random bits. I, one rule I would tell anybody is if you're having a conversation with someone 
and you're trying to maybe change their mind, never overwhelm them with facts. Give them one or two little things, and if they're really curious, they will go out for themselves, and they will do the research. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving someone a book or uh, maybe a, a video to watch. Just never overwhelm a person and throw fact after fact after fact at them because it will turn them off so quickly um, that they, they will just go about their way believing you know, we're thinking however they think. I'm curious, you mentioned uh, that you're a big Second Amendment advocate. Give me your thoughts on the Second Amendment Preservation Act uh, as far as what's been uh, addressed here in the state of Missouri. I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. I, <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, the, the, I, think, I think the best part of that law is that it hinders local law enforcement from acting together with the feds because I think if we want to be a free and sovereign uh, individuals and we want to to be as free as we possibly can then we have to break the ties between our local law enforcement and the feds and something that people need to understand is I believe it's this way in Missouri the sheriff is the highest-ranking law enforcement officer in the state. He can tell the feds to go get lost. So we, we need to focus on, uh, you know, electing sheriffs who know the Constitution, A, right. and B, will protect your Second Amendment rights. But the fact that if... So they, they can be penalized monetarily, the fact that they can lose their law enforcement job and never be in law enforcement again in the state of Missouri for the rest of their lives. Things like that I absolutely love because I think it, it, there for a while it was, it was a referendum or a binding resolution, which has no teeth. It's a dog with no teeth. So when this law came out and I thought, please, Lord, let them pass this because this makes a heavy statement that no past present or future laws, you know, that goes against the Second Amendment will be enforced in the state of Missouri. Now, I don't think you can make a better statement as far as preserving people's rights to defend themselves than that SEPA law that they passed. It is something that I think a lot of people uh, enjoyed and uh, really, you know, it makes us feel a little bit more comfortable about our Second Amendment rights here in the state of Missouri. Uh, well, on the other side of things, um, certainly red flag laws, which they are implementing in other states, that uh, if, you, if you seem to be somewhat of a threat, um, I don't know, maybe you've had a bad day and, and you, you've spoken out at work or you've acted out or, uh, you know, uh, there, there's so many different instances and scenarios uh, revolving around red flag laws. And, and I was just curious uh, to get your thoughts on those. I kind of think that I know what they are already. But, you know, in, in order to use, uh, you know, uh, under the guise, once again, as I do the air quotes, uh, under the guise of safety, uh, we've come up with these, the, the, this red flag law or laws that say, you know, if somebody seems to be a threat and they own firearms, uh, we need to go confiscate those firearms until we're sure that that person isn't going to, uh, to be a threat. Yeah, 
I kind of liken this to civil asset. Well, the old civil asset forfeiture laws. You know, you could be you you could have all your things, comp, your your house, your cars, your money, all confiscated before you were proven guilty. And it, this this leads into this guilty until proven innocent instead of innocent until proven guilty. Right. Uh, again, I feel this is a way for states and the feds that if you even just like COVID type of thing, if you're going and speaking out against the norm, you may not be a violent person at all. You might, you just want to be left alone, things like that. But this is a way in the future, if you speak out against your government and they consider you a threat, this is a perfect way to come and take away your firearms. And, and that's it. It's really about in the long run, controlling the actions and the, the thoughts and the words that people speak because they'll be afraid that they'll lose the right to defend themselves. That's, I think in a nutshell, that's, that's what it leads to in the future. Right. Well, in, in, in another instance, in, in where I could see the two intermingle a little bit here when you're talking about red flag laws and what we were talking about earlier with uh, uh, the, uh, the, the parents being uh, looked at by the Department of Justice as quote-unquote domestic terrorists. So here they not only have the possibility of standing and jumping all over your First Amendment rights if you go to a school board meeting and voice your opinion, then they could possibly come back around and say, well, you know, we saw you uh, and the way you reacted to that particular issue at the school board meeting, and so we we think that you might be a candidate or fall under uh, some of the uh, things surrounding red flag laws. And so not only are they going to get you with your First Amendment, they're going to get you with your Second Amendment as well. It's a perfect storm for taking away uh, people's rights to not only speak their mind, which the founders specifically had in mind, that you should be able to redress your grievances with your government. But another way is for, for those you know, people cannot defend themselves. And I'm sorry, but I think the most helpless feeling in the world for people would be, A, not to speak their mind, and B, not to defend themselves, to know that every word is being looked at under a magnifying glass. Sure. And then if the government becomes so tyrannical, you can't defend yourself against tyrants. That, <clears throat> and when you feel that beat down, that's when you get the most people conforming to the, air quotes, normal behaviors. Right. And it's anything but normal. So we're conditioning uh, the kids in the schools and those people who are out of school, we're conditioning to some degree not to rise up, not to stand up for yourself, not to believe in what you believe in, not to tell anyone that the government is wrong, not to address the government and tell them that they are wrong. So it's kind of working on both ends uh, to uh, to deal with those those folks that are you know out of uh, out of high school out of college maybe they're not uh, involved in education anymore at this point as far as you know trying to get a degree or learn something or, or what have you and then we're working on indoctrinating the kids with critical race theory and a lot of the other things that uh, are out there uh, it's interesting to uh, maybe ask a teacher at some point and say you know you're a teacher what do you expect your kids to uh, uh, to learn when they're in school what are some of the things that as a parent maybe not so much as a teacher that you want 
your kids to learn? Do you want them to learn uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic? Or are we more worried about uh, delving off into social issues and how the kids feel? And, you know, uh, do they have issues with their sexuality and things along those lines? I'd be, uh, be interested to hear. Uh, I don't know if you've talked to any teachers about that. I, I spoke with a, a, an old teacher of mine here several years back. Uh, she used to be in the Owensville School District, and then she was up in Washington, Missouri. And I asked her about how things are different. And she said where she worked now, which I don't know if she's still there or not, but when she was there, um, she said that I was told you stick to the curriculum, you do not deviate, or you will be fired. And so I think that there are a lot of teachers out there who want to teach the right way, but just like a lot of other things that government-run, you know, systems do, you do this or you won't have a job. Right. So, yeah, as they indoctrinate these newer teachers coming out of the, the colleges that will be more likely, that's the problem, they'll also be more likely to just stick to the curriculum, don't deviate, where the teachers 20, 30 years ago, A, weren't threatened, and B, were more likely to just say, here's the facts, what do you think? But now, as the colleges have become more woke, those teachers that have graduated from those universities are coming to teach your kids, and now they're going to push the same wokeness on you, and they're going to be more likely to not deviate from the accepted curriculum, and it causes... And this is why, if you're a parent thinking about homeschooling, I would absolutely do it. I know it could be financially a little hard, but, man, you're going to do your kids a great service by keeping them out of the public school systems. We just have a couple of minutes left, uh, John. Um, Obviously, a lot of our content is done by podcasters like you, and you were gracious enough to make a special one just for our benefit Do you have any advice for people who have strong opinions about things? Maybe they post on Facebook a lot. They kind of rant to their neighbors. But we need people to do something more organized, to be communicators like you are. Do you have any advice for people who want to do something like a podcast? You know, I'm I'm really not the brightest crayon in the box, I'll be honest. But it is so easy there are so many neat little Behringer makes these neat little pod, mini podcasting systems. You have um, hosting sites like I use, Spreaker, that makes it so easy. You upload your content. You can apply for all the different pod-catching uh, sites, and it, it, you just check the boxes, hit apply, and then you'll get emails saying, hey, you were accepted, or hey, you were denied. It's so easy, but I urge anyone out there with a voice, that's passionate about uh, certain subjects, could be freedom, could be a host of things. Right now, and as time goes on, we need more and more and more voices preaching the message of liberty. And I cannot urge people enough. It's very simple. And um, if you just email me at backoffbigbrother at gmail.com, if you have any questions about getting started, Feel free to email me. I will help you as much as I can because I really want to see this message spread far and wide. What's that? Uh, what's that email again, John? It's back off, big brother 
at gmail.com. Back off big brother at gmail.com. That's great. Love the heck out of it. Have you, you have anything else for him, Bill? Uh, I just uh, see a headline here about Missouri hospital systems letting go unvaccinated employees today. And we, we talked about the Second Amendment. I think the governor had an executive order a couple of days ago prohibiting people from, uh, or su- trying to prohibit people from firing people. I, I kind of have a pet peeve about executive orders and things that are supposed to be helpful that really don't have any teeth. You know, do you, do you have a, an opinion about that? We, the only opinion I have on this whole thing is that people need to continue and we need more people to stand up and say no it's really that easy folks Mm -hmm. we do not have to have some glamorous complicated system enough people have to just join together band together and literally say no because the government nor the states the feds nor the states have enough people to go around arresting and harassing everybody we literally just have to stand up and say no and we have to voice our support for those who have stood up and said no, and maybe maybe we need to form groups to help the people who have lost their jobs because they stood up and said no and showed some bravery in the face of great tyranny. And I don't know what else we can do except to continue to be 